Good Friday afternoon, guys. I'm Jerry Miller, and welcome to the I Love Seville show. Thank you kindly for joining us. The show is presented by the Clifton and Keswick. Get there for dinner. Get there for happy hour. I mean, the place is legit. The Clifton and Keswick weddings, events, corporate retreats, magic at the Clifton and Keswick. I've experienced it firsthand. Today's show is jam-packed. Look at the screen for the headlines we're going to cover today. Razorblade Ellis. I think we should just strike Bert as his name. And let's just call him Razorblade Ellis moving forward. A businessman who crossed multi-state lines with a razor blade to razor blade down a sign off the lawn, a sign with a message he disapproved of, Razorblade Ellis, the hand-picked Board of Visitors member, Yunkin's hand-picked member, now has a text message interaction that his, I, I would say national news. I mean, the Washington Post is covering this. This is national news if the Washington Post is covering this. An yeah. author in Richmond did a Freedom of Information Act request This author was from an advocate named Jeff Thomas, who then shared the documents with the Cavalier Daily. Razorblade Ellis, in multiple text messages, has indicated there's going to be a battle royale, a battle royale for the soul of the University of Virginia. He says this is a microcosm of what must happen across America to save the soul of our country. He then proceeds in over 20 pages of text messages between Ellis and various other members of the board and university officials to call students, the Cavalier Daily, and faculty at the University of Virginia numbnuts. I... This is idiocy, idiocy, because he had to know that this correspondence could be foiled. He's literally texting with Board of Visitor members and top-ranking UVA officials. He had to know this was going to be foiled. When I correspond with city councilors and Board of Supervisors and folks atop the city hall chain, the conversation often starts on a messaging platform called Signal. And then as we get into the nitty gritty, we say, let's stop the text correspondence and let's meet over a beer or coffee or take a walk around the downtown mall to have a conversation of what we're talking about as opposed to doing it on our phone because of a FOIA fear. Razorblade had no fears. And maybe if you're willing to get in your vehicle and go from Georgia to, to, to Charlottesville to Razorblade a sign off someone's door, maybe you are, in fact, a fearless individual. Maybe you believe you're above the law and you're Teflon. Evidently, Razorblade is. Because Razorblade was able to go across state lines with a razor blade to try to razor a sign off the lawn, the front door of of a a UVA student's lawn residence, and he still got on the board of visitors. So, dude, maybe he is Teflon. Maybe he is above the law. 
If Razorblade Ellis can call students and faculty and administrators numbnuts, albeit he misspelled it, and also Razorblade signs off doors, maybe the laws and the rules don't apply to Razorblade Ellis. We'll talk about that topic on the I Love Sebo show. I want some reaction um, from the Admiral County School Board meeting last night. We'll, we'll relay what we saw, we heard, and what's been relayed and, and, and passed along to us. Michael Cotchis is doing a, a town hall type meeting on Monday at 6 o'clock to talk about the spate of gun, drug, and gang violence, including the fact that people are murdering people in the middle of the daytime in neighborhoods. I mean, he straight up said that when speaking with the media. This is the quote Cotchis gave to the media. You ready for this, Shooter? Mm-hmm. Cotchis said, and this is a great quote, at 3.40 p.m. on Wednesday afternoon, someone felt comfortable enough to pull out a gun in broad daylight and kill a person. And that's a problem. That is a problem. That is a problem, Michael Cotchis. We'll talk about his public forum on Monday. I I think I'm going to be there for that. I think I'm going to be there for that. Should we try to live stream that forum across the I Love Seville network for the viewers and listeners that can't make it? How would you want to do that? Just go there. We could set up, uh, why don't we go to a two shot and let's weave you into the conversation. We could go to the forum on Monday. Six o'clock start. We could take my phone, tripod, horizontal, and stream to my page. Or we could take a couple of the seven cameras we use here on the set and stream. Just an idea. What would you plug them into? What's that? What would you... Well, I mean, the phone, we could just use like this. Well, yeah. I mean, I can't imagine at 6 p.m. on Monday that a lot of people are going to be able to get to this. I mean, either they're still working, they're traveling home from work, or they're getting things ready for their kids for dinner. Yeah. I mean, it's a school day. I respect the fact that Cotchis is doing this for him. He's doing a lot of walk and talks. Yeah. He's getting out there shaking hands, kissing babies, getting to know people. He told the media yesterday that he's going to do... Um, additional patrols, and they're going to target the 10th and Page neighborhood, the corner by the university, and a little further away from 10th and Page. I would imagine that's Fifeville. He says there's going to be officers on foot, officers on their bikes, officers in their vehicles, and the undercover cops are going to be out, and they're going to be speaking to members of the community, and they're going to address the crime they see. He's got three policing districts where he's going to try to utilize those districts to profile criminals with additional patrols and boots on the streets. I think it's a good strategy. From all I can tell so far, the community is not outraged that this is essentially neighborhood profiling that's happening. He's got no other choice but to do this. His department's one-third empty. Yeah, and it just, I mean, it doesn't make any sense to uh, 
ignore where you see things happening? I mean, the crime's not in... The crime's been, for, for lack of a better phrase, compartmentalized to a few areas. Yeah. Patrol those areas. Exactly. We'll talk about that on today's show. Chief Brackney, correction, former police chief Rashal Brackney. I said on yesterday's program, lived in um, Ashcroft. The correction is she lived in Cascadia, in <coughs> fact. Did a little Albemarle GIS search. Thanks to the suggestion of a valued listener and viewer who's asked me not even to use his initials, so I will not use his initials. Um, you do an Albemarle GIS search, and you see that former police chief Dr. Rashal Brackney did, in fact, live in the Cascadia neighborhood. She lived in a neighborhood in Albemarle County despite being the police chief in the city of Charlottesville. You have issue with that? Do you have issue with that? She bought her house for $455,000. I'm looking at the Almoral GIS. This is public record. You can find it too. Um, from Craig Enterprises. $455,000 she brought the house. Do you have a problem that the Charlottesville police chief lived outside of the jurisdiction she was covering? Not really. No beef with that. I mean, without more information, no. Uh, I mean, really, Charlottesville is so small. It's not like she was getting away from, uh, you know, inner city New York or something like that. You don't think the police chief of Charlottesville City should have to live in the jurisdiction they are serving it's probably a good practice, but uh... how can you say you're talking the talk and walking the walk when you retreat to an abode in Albemarle County? I just help me understand that. 2018, I'm... the house was purchased for 455000 I mean, I, I see your point, but... Uh... Like I said, Charlottesville is so small. I, for all we know, she didn't find she couldn't find a house that she that she wanted in in Seaville. I don't know, um, but uh, without more information, uh, you know, I, it seems like uh, a small uh, a small nitpick. They make the city manager live in the city. Fair enough. Maurice Jones had to move from Almaro to Charlottesville City. Here's the question. Where do you stop? Because let's cut to the chase. The majority of Charlottesville government and its staff cannot afford to live in Charlottesville City. In fact, the majority of Charlottesville government and its staff may not even be able to afford to live in Almaro County. So the thinking is, if the majority of staff does not live in Charlottesville City, yet they work for Charlottesville government, how can we hold police chief... Brackney, former police chief Brackney, accountable for not living in the locality that she's serving. Now, you can then make the legitimate argument police chief Brackney, when she was working here, had a total compensation package of over $200,000. So in her particular circumstance, being able to afford to live in Charlottesville did not apply to her because she was making well above AMI, area median income. 
Conscious goes straight to Conscious goes straight to the violent violent area. When he takes the job as police chief, multiple people saying he's living in tenth and page. Yeah. Do you respect a chief more that lives in the locality they're serving? Or do you respect the chief that chooses to live elsewhere at the same level as the chief that chooses to live in the locality they're serving? The way I would phrase it and call it splitting hairs is I respect conscious for for choosing where he did. I don't know that I necessarily respect him more than uh, than Brackney uh, in that particular case. Um, but yeah, I respect him for choosing uh, where he did, especially if he chose it knowing what he was going into. Yeah, I feel the same way. Guy, you would, and, and this is a bit of an assumption here. This is a bit of an assumption here. I think it's a safe assumption, but I will acknowledge it's an assumption. I would imagine a police chief did a little background research or some in, got some intelligence on 10th te- and Page before he chose to live there. It, yeah. Right? That sounds, uh, that sounds, sounds like logical, a, a right? reasonable assumption. That seems like a reasonable assumption. Yeah. You and I would have some background on where we choose to move if we choose to move elsewhere. We would wonder if where we're choosing to move is safe, yeah. is legit, and offers quality of life. A guy who's a police chief would probably do the same. Most people do, and it, it, it would be hard to, hard to assume that he wouldn't do something like that as well. Right. So he chose to live in one of the most... How do you characterize 10th and Page? You're great with the words. Uh, gentrifying. I was going to say gentrifying. I gentrifying. I mean, it's, an, it's not a bad area. Oh, it's great. It's beautiful, close to everything. There's some beautiful homes. Gosh, uh, I could walk here. I could walk to UVA Hospital. I could walk to the corner. I could walk to basketball, walk to school. I mean, yeah. walk to Dairy Market, walk to work, walk downtown. I mean, it's in the heart of the city. Yeah. It's definitely. fantastic. From an affordability standpoint, one of the few affordable pockets left. The downside on 10th and Page is you got 20-year-olds getting murdered in broad daylight. Right? Yeah. I'd say that's the downside. Can I say that? Uh, let's make 20-year-olds uh, singular. Okay. How about you got people murdered in broad daylight? Is that better? Sure. I would say that could potentially impact the brand of a neighborhood, right? Yeah. I'll say this again. I have more respect for Cotchis choosing to live his choice into one of the more violent neighborhoods in the city than Brackney, who chose to live outside the city in a $400,000, dollars $600,000 neighborhood. Not that the values matter, but that's what Cascadia is. And up, and up. I see one of the Cascadia's finest watching the program um, as we speak. And for the sake of your anonymity, sir, I will not mention your name unless you want me to. But we both know um, you live there, and I respect the fact that you do. Um, All right. 
What do you make of Kachis and his meeting planned for Monday at 6? I like it. I like the fact that he's... Uh, Is it window dressing for the sole purpose of, a commu- uh, of, a, of accumulating political capital? Are the walk and talks... What would he be accumulating political capital for? I mean, he's accumulating... Any police chief needs political capital in the bank. That's fair. Uh, any any $200,000 plus government official needs political capital. Okay, that's and fair. Eventually, but does it have to be either or? What, is it, what do you mean by that? Does it have to be... Uh, does the meeting have to be for just for political capital, or can it be for you know accruing both political capital and uh, communication, transparency, yeah. putting a plan in play, passing along to taxpayers, homeowners, renters, and citizens? We know the gun violence is scary and it's real and it's our number one priority. It can be all of the above. You Aswag- make a great point. Assuaging fears. Yeah, all of the above. It can be all of the above. You have to give me this. And, I, and I've said this once. I've said it twice. I've said it three times. I'll say it again. I think Police Chief Kachis underestimated the job he had in front of him when he took this gig. And I know for a fact, because I correspond with them, multiple insiders and folks on the force, city and other counties, advised Kachis not to take this job because of the unpredictability that comes with Charlottesville, Virginia. With Charlottesville, Virginia, yes. We have to admit, all of us have to admit, Charlottesville, Virginia has got some kind of energy in the, are they titanic plates? What are the things below us? Tectonic. What the hell? The energy in this area is, is causing some some Are you calling some oddities. bat you-know-what crazy? Dude. Razorblade Ellis is calling students numbnuts, misspelling numbnuts. Razorblade Ellis says there's a battle royale emerging on grounds at UVA, and he will forever fight for the soul of the university and Thomas Jefferson. And he said this battle royale in Charlottesville is an indicative, microcosm was the word he used, of the battle royale that is happening across America. This literally is a man who went across state lines with a razor blade to cut a sign off a door. You got that going down. You got Bratney suing her former employer for 10 million bucks, claiming she was fired because she's a black female. How many city managers are still on payroll? I mean, how many city managers are still on payroll? You, you have a consulting firm that's a city manager and another consulting firm hired to, to hire a new city manager, right? Yeah. You got city councilor Cena McGill quitting in the middle of her term because of personal issues. You got council, instead of picking... Two counselors with previous experience, Kristen Zakos and Kathy Galvin, choosing instead to go to a school board member. Granted, she had four terms. Love you, Leah, Leah per year. Got no beef with you, Leah. Just thought that Galvin and Zakos were more qualified because of their time on council. Still got no beef for you. Beef with you per year. No beef whatsoever. You have to admit that there's crazy juice in the water. We can't stop here. This is bad country. There's crazy juice in the water around here. I mean, I can continue if you want me to. You got upzoning advocates 
that think additional supply in Charlottesville City is going to breed affordability. You got planning commissioners on Twitter literally trying to tell developers that they that that he knows more about their business model than they do, Rory Solzenberg and Kyle Redinger. Seriously. You got uh, the head of neighborhood development, what's his name? Freeze? Mr. Freeze? Mr. Freeze. Mr. Freeze, the head of neighborhood development in Charlottesville City, pushing density and upzoning, but living in an HOA neighborhood in Almoro County, Dunlora. Yeah. You got the University of Virginia who claims it's an affordability advocate, yet it buys up all the real estate and doesn't pay taxes on it. You got cities saying, let's, let's, let's create affordability by changing the zoning and getting more density. Oh, by the way, uh, Bo Carrington and Wendell Wood are going to extort us in a negotiation for 21 acres on High Street that we need to purchase because we got public outcry. You got a 10.4 acre city yard on Star Hill that's being utilized to house and store pickup trucks and heavy machinery but not utilized to create housing for people. There's crazy juice in the water. I knew it was crazy when I first got here and uh, saw some of the roads. Rio Rio? Rio Rio, not even the pronunciation. You can get off 250, take Park Street until it becomes Rio, continue on Rio until it becomes hydraulic and then get back on 250. <laughs> explain that to me. Uh, How do you I, explain that? Uh, I think the city planners were, were taking something. You got Helen Dragas, also board of visitor, doing conspiracy plots and ploys to get President Teresa Sullivan axed and pink slipped. We got crazy juice in the water. No doubt. Woody Fincham, I agree 100%. Department heads and assistant department heads should have a residency requirement. If you don't live here, you can't serve the community well. 100% agree with you, Woody Fincham. 100% agree with you. Police Chief Brackney, I'm going to fight crime in Charlottesville City. But only until dinner time, and then I'm going to go home to Almaro County, where it's safer, the yards are bigger, quality of life's better, and there's no crime. Police Chief Brackney, I'm going to end gun, drug, and gang violence in the city of Charlottesville. Uh-oh, the dinner bell rang. Let me go to Almaro. Get a little more room. Got a, a picket fence. And I got a Dardantel Park across from my neighborhood. Charlottesville can't do that for me. Peace out, city. You got to admit it's a bad look. You got to admit it's... Mr. Freeze, head of neighborhood development. NDS. Mr. Freeze. Get housing everywhere to help people. I don't want that. Take me to my Dunlora neighborhood where the HOA bylaws will keep upzoning from ever happening here. Come on. You gotta give me it's a bad look. That's why you're chuckling. You know it's a bad look. 
No, it's a bad look. <laughs> no, I'm you got razor blade Ellis. I'm chuckling because if the man thinks that he's doing a good thing, how is that affected by where he lives? I and I get what you're saying. What? But what? Your in, how are your intentions? What? Keep going. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm having a, I'm having some fun today. How are your in, intentions? Uh, what, how am I trying to say this? Uh, how is the place that you live have any effect on on the intentions of of your you know the actions that you make? And I and I do get what you're saying, dude. The but, perception is piss poor. But that's it. It's just perception. I don't agree. And you may disagree I don't agree. with what he's trying to do. Conscious is going to have a better feel for 10th and Page policing because he lives in 10th and Page. You're going to have a better feel for policing one of the most violent and high crime corridors of your jurisdiction if you live in that area. You have to give me that. You have to give me that. I appreciate, I, I, I appreciate I your would, devil's advocate... Uh, I would normally give it to you, but you've been asking repeatedly whether or not Conscious knew what he was getting into when he took this job. Fair, and, fair. And so, yes, fair. you may be right, but I would stop asking whether he knew what he was getting into because it sounds like if you're making this suggestion... There's the fair. That, there you go. ...that he chose this neighborhood in order to be closer to the, the middle of what's going on and hopefully combat it. Or did he choose? That's a fair counterpoint. I, I, I acknowledge that you just made a very legitimate fair counterpoint. Because you're saying he picked arguably the most violent neighborhood to live. Yeah. And if he chose the most violent neighborhood to live... He probably had some idea what he was getting into and came in and yeah, and, I got, and, and if that's the case, I utmost respect for him. Yeah, fair uh, counterpoint. Fair counterpoint. Jojo Robertson... Um, I, I got Jojo Robertson said she sent me info on the young man that was murdered it's so sad read what his loved ones wrote about him feel free to share I will do that Jojo Jojo I'm going to respond by I will read out loud your Facebook post about the school board meeting last night I want to, and this message was sent to me by, I've got to respect the man's anonymity, by, let's just say, someone running for political office. Okay. Someone actively running for office, I'll leave it at that. I received a message on Signal this morning from someone actively running for office. Last night at the school board meeting, and Jojo Robertson, jump in here. Last night at the school board meeting, Katrina Coulson, who's the chair of the school board, again questioned why collective bargaining was a positive for teachers. This is what Jojo wrote on Facebook. Jojo Robertson. This is crazy. At last night's Almoral School Board meeting, Katrina Coulson, who is running for state delegate, said that she does not see how improving pay and working conditions for teachers could result in improved educational outcomes for students. Sorry, but what? 
This just flies in the face of logic, Jojo wrote. I dug up a report from the Commonwealth Institute here in Virginia that has an entire section about studies on this very topic. The title of the section, Collective Bargaining is Good for Student Achievement. Read it for yourself. Hmm. Then Jojo says this, how can someone possibly say that she cannot see a correlation between happier teachers and better performing students? The report says it well. Researchers, researchers and advocates have long recognized that teachers' working conditions are students' learning conditions. That's brilliant. I'm going to say that again. Amaral County teachers, use this. Amaral County teachers, I effing love you guys. I effing love you guys, Amaral County teachers. You guys are superheroes. I, I will champion collective bargaining until it is a reality or until I die. Here's a great line for Amaral County teachers. Researchers and advocates have long recognized that teachers' working conditions are students' learning conditions. It's beautiful. Say that last part again. Teachers', teachers working, working conditions, conditions are, are students' learning conditions. You improve quality of life for teachers, students have better learning quality of life. You got a crink in your neck, huh? Yeah, just like... You need to go see Scott Wagner, Scott hey. Wagner Integrated Medicine. Who's got your back? Probably. Dr. Wagner's got your back. Katrina Coulson, you didn't look good yesterday. I should tag, I'm going to tag Katrina. Where you at? Where you at, KC? Where you at, KC? I'm going to tag Katrina Coulson here. Katrina Coulson. There you are. What's the, uh, what's the, the, the woman's strength, women's rights um, superhero from a few decades ago? Was it Rosie the Riveter? Yeah. It's Rosie, right? Mm-hmm. Katrina's got a Rosie the Riveter in her profile picture. Katrina, we are talking about you and the school board meeting from last night on today's show. See, I'm tagging her so she doesn't think I'm talking behind her back. Letting her know that we're talking about her. Katrina Coulson's running for delegate in a crowded field, although it's less crowded now that Davey Brown has dropped out. Yeah. DB dropped out. He acknowledged the work that goes into running for delegate was much more significant than he anticipated. 15 days after announcing, he hits the road, Jack, and pieces out of the race. You got Cooper, you got Bellamy Brown, Dave Norris, Katrina Coulson. At yesterday's meeting, KC, Katrina Coulson, who works for the city of Charlottesville, I think working for the city of Charlottesville and being a delegate representing Charlottesville is a conflict of interest. That's a topic for another day. She says in the school board meeting that she doesn't see the correlation between improved teacher compensation packages, perks, and working environments, and how that translates or correlates to better student learning experiences. When she's making these comments, I'm like, what the hell are you doing? She's in an active race for state delegate, and she's straight up throwing shade at teachers. And collective bargaining would apply not just to teachers, but all ACPS employees. Hmm. The collective bargaining applies to the cafeteria worker, the janitor, yeah. the school bus driver, the substitute teacher. This is not just teachers. This is all employees. Yeah. How many Almoral County public school employees are there? Is the number 6,000 
Albemarle County Public School employees. Teachers watching the program, what's the number? Isn't it right around 6K? Can someone give me that number? Can someone put it in the feed? Can you find that, Judah? Isn't it right around 6,000? Am I making that number up? How many total employees at ACPS? Someone help me there. You, you, you finding that? You find that for me? I'm going to look. Someone find that for me. How many total employees? You're trying to run a race for delegate? Get your throw in shade at thousands of people? Thousands of people who are organized and vote as a block? Who have significant others? 6,000 people. I'm not saying they all have significant others, but I would say a lot of them do. What's that say? Maybe half of them have significant others that'll vote how they vote? That takes it up to 9,000 people. How about their friends? How many total peeps ACPS employs? You got that number for me, J-Dubs? Judah Wicks? Not yet. Katrina, it was not a great look for you last night. You've been on the wrong side of this issue for a couple of years now. First off, let's talk about the right thing to do. Here's the right thing to do. Give ACPS team members the same collective bargaining power that Charlottesville City School team members are getting. Because if you don't, the ACPS team members are going to quit. And that's just reality. And the second thing, Katrina, if you're trying to win a race, why would you disparage or distance yourself from a voting block that could be over 10,000 people when you include significant others and friends? It's just not a smart strategy, Katrina Carlson. Someone let Katrina know I relayed that to her. Come on, Casey. And explain to me how you're going to navigate the fact that you work for Charlottesville City, yet you're running for state delegate. How has that not become more of a talking point? Someone help me understand that. Please. You get that number for me? Uh, well, there are close to 1,500 on LinkedIn. Obviously, that's not going to be all of them. LinkedIn? You went to LinkedIn for that information? I'm not finding any numbers anywhere else. That was the first, uh, the first information I found on the subject. I'm still looking, though. I, I, I want to say it's 6,000. I want to say it's 6,000. JoJo also shares a link with me. Thank you, JoJo. On the young man that was murdered in the 10th and Page neighborhood. There's a photo of the young man with his girlfriend. Hmm. This post has been shared over 300 times 
has got over a thousand people loving or liking it and more comments than you could possibly read in one hour. Twenty-year-old's life taken in broad daylight. Freaking travesty. His brother screaming at the scene, he wasn't in this life, I brought him into it. Yeah, it's very sad. Murdered in front of his younger brother. The first person to show up, one of the first, a school crossing guard. Mm-hmm. Who, not even an hour before, was helping kids cross the road. Oof. What a mess. We should figure out a way how to stream the Monday morning, the Monday meeting, the town hall with Conscious. What? There's going to be about somewhere between 50 and 100 people showing up on Monday. We put it on the Isle of Seville network. We put it in front of tens of thousands. Don't you think the community should learn or hear this? Word on the street is Mr. Freeze does not like us calling him Mr. Freeze. I'm sorry, Mr. Freeze. We hurt your feelings, sir. That was Judah's idea to call you Mr. Freeze. Well, that was your idea. It was your idea to call him Mr. Freeze. We're not going to call him Mrs. Freeze. He is not pleased with our commentary the last two days. Okay. Please don't turn me into an icicle. (laughs) Do not turn me into an icicle. Not helping. Uh, This is from Deep Throat. It seems to me that the dividing line for a requirement to live in the city is, at the least, anyone with a powerful policy-making role. You need to live by the policy you make. And he says that should apply to the city manager, the police chief, the fire chief, NDS chief, and the school superintendent. He says the thing with Freeze is that he tells everyone here, don't worry, densification will be fine, but then he chooses a place immune to densification. Whatever his reasons are, it will be harder for him to convince residents if he has no skin in the game. I agree with that. Yeah. Deep Throat also says this. Agree that better, better play plus conditions leads to happier teachers, and happier teachers led to better outcomes. But where I differ a little is the idea that you need a union for that. In a way, if a system gets to a, pat, gets to a point where they're only where the only way the teachers can be treated well and fairly is by bringing in a union and establishing in an adversarial process. It represents a failure of the management of that system. The best outcome would be having, a school, having school leadership that fights for its employees and supports them because it's the right thing to do and not at the point of a union gun. I think that can be said about all businesses, and it's certainly true. I think that can be said about a lot of things in life. I think that can be said about marriage, I think that can be said about private business, nonprofits, government. Yeah. But this is, a, I, think, I think in this case, it's particularly, that statement is particularly apt because you're talking about the people in control and the people that work for, uh, the people that work in the business, uh, in this case, teaching kids. 
And, uh, and so in any business where you have someone in control over someone else, if they're not advocating for their own employees, then yes, it makes it uh, problematic that you have to create an adversarial process to, uh, to, to feel, you know, to feel like you're, um, you're being paid reasonably and, you know, all the other things that come with the reasons for, for starting this. Do you think that it's a at-the-top totem pole issue? That the teachers have such, and by teachers I mean cafeteria workers, janitors, bus drivers, substitute teachers, they have such little confidence in Superintendent Haas and his cabinet that they feel they're not advocated for or represented by Dr. Haas and, 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 and his cabinet, and because they don't have that either connection or communication or sense of trust, that they feel the system is so broken, they need, as Deep Throat called it, the point of a union gun as leverage? I think we might sure be exactly at that point. What you're asking. Are you asking whether or not they, uh, they would <clears throat> point the finger at uh, Haas and the board? I think that the teachers realize that Haas and the board literally don't have their best interest at heart. And yeah, as a result, they want a seat at the bargaining table where they can control and dictate and influence the narrative, the policy, the compensation, and the decision-making. I'd say that's fair. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, i got another... Uh, Direct message. Do you want me to res- to, to utilize uh, your to to protect your anonymity here, sir? Why don't I call you the king of architects? I know you're a renowned architect locally. Um, please let me know if I can utilize or use your name on air. You have not given me permission, sir. Either way, um, if I could use your name, so I want to kind of tread um, cautiously with your commentary. I will call you um, the uh, king of architects for now. He says, has a survey been conducted as to how many people are in favor of upzoning? I don't know. I don't think we've had an official survey that has counted everyone in this community but I would bet you over 50% of Charlottesville residents do not want upzoning. Although Neil made a great point earlier today about the uh, about polling and whether or not we should be uh, whether or not we should be creating rulings based on survey results. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the point he's made, and it's a legitimate point. How do you advocate for affordable housing if you cannot afford to live in the community and you're not at the meeting? How do you you survey people that want more housing if they can't afford to live in the community where the survey is offered? And it's a fair point. The folks that show up to the meetings 
are folks that live in the community. The folks that can't advocate for housing affordability or for upzoning are the ones that don't live here. It's not just about that, though. I, uh, he made an interesting, he made a great point about, uh, about democratic republics and the fact that we don't, this isn't uh, uh, a democracy. This isn't, we don't, uh, we don't make rulings, uh, we don't make laws based on uh, more than 50% of people wanting something. Because in the extreme, that, can, that leads to mob rule. And it is to be hoped that what we have is slightly better than that. And, uh, and so when we elect our leaders, that is the, that's when, that was your chance to, uh, to make a decision about, uh, you know, what they will be voting for or what decisions they'll be making. Lisa Costello says they never survey when they have already decided what they are going to do. I say, au contraire, mon chouer. What's the phrase? <laughs> Au contraire, um, I believe you're trying to say mon frère. Mon frère? My brother, yeah. Oh, contraire, mon frère, Lisa Costello. Almaro County Public Schools offered surveys on rebranding and renaming. The survey results came in completely opposite what they intended, and yet they still move forward with rebranding and renaming. Anonymous says... In fact, there has been no good survey. Brick and Story, a subcontractor, did a survey at the middle of the CP process. They asked one question, do you like what the plan does for your neighborhood? The answer was overwhelmingly negative. But you don't know whether people didn't like it because it did too much or it did too little. It was completely useless and incompetent survey. He also says it is also interesting that they did not put a question about it into the poll co-survey. And yet at many points, the RHI presentation materials talked about how people liked the plan. If you look at all the feedback emails, which are public record, you find the feedback is overwhelmingly negative. So while I accept that no scientifically valid survey has ever been done, the proponents can at the same time claim that there is support. I agree with that. I agree with that. The response has been overwhelmingly negative for this upzoning. Overwhelmingly negative. Mm -hmm. And if you utilize public outcry to potentially buy 21 acres on High Street, why did the public outcry not work with upzoning? We can't know. It, it may, we can't. We have no idea. We don't know. It may be. We have no idea. It may be that the, uh, the council's interests just happen to align with, uh, with one and not the other. I have a 145. It's in 22 minutes, and I'm going to be going too fast to get there. Do you have some closing thoughts? Yeah, I got a, I got a, a happy story. Uh, oh. I'm going to put a picture on screen. Uh, Can you do the happy story in about 40 seconds? Yep. Okay, go. Okay. I, I really don't even know what this happy story is. I'm excited to see the picture. Is it on screen? Uh, it is on screen Look now. at the screen. Look at the screen. This is the... Mr. Freeze. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. This is Blue. He is the... Uh, he's a new addition to the, uh, the Charlottesville Police Force. And 
I think he's adorable. Oh, he's adorable. What kind of dog is he? Hound dog? Yeah, it's a, I think it's a bloodhound. His name is Blue? Yep. This is the newest team member? Yep. Is Blue, is Blue one of the, uh, filling one of the third empty spots in the Charlottesville Police Department? Is this the new corner, UVA corner beat cop? I don't think so, Jerry. This is, the, what, because he's a dog? Uh, or because he's a puppy? Or because he's a bloodhound? Or, or all of the above? I would say all of the above, plus the fact that uh, he has uh, a different set of, uh, what's the word? Talents. Yeah. Skill yeah. sets. Talents, yeah. And, uh, and his job description is slightly different. I like it. Blue, welcome to Charlottesville. Question for you, Blue. Keep Blue on screen. Is Blue on screen? Yeah, he's back. Hey, Blue, are you going to choose to live in Charlottesville City? <laughs> are you going to go to the thriving metropolis that is Cascadia for a $450,000 townhome in a backyard with a fence where you can poop in the yard? Or do you not mind pooping on the asphalt in 10th and Page? Where are you going to live, Blue? Live in Charlottesville City, Blue. Live in the city you represent, Blue. You can walk to, to work, Blue. You can't walk to work, Blue, from Cascadia. Live in city, Blue. I suggest Fifefield, 10th and Page, or Star Hill. Friday edition of the show. Judah Wickhauer, Jerry Miller. We'll see you on Monday.